come, draw close, and feel the power of the Herdstone. Your best location for Warhammer Fantasy Battle lore, hobby, and gameplay discussion. Well, hello, and welcome to the Herdstone. Uh, today we have a special ambush surprise. The, the beastmen are here. They're all around you, braying. And uh, we are going to be discussing the most recent article on Warhammer Community. Uh, it is the first look at the rules of the old world. So who do I have here with us today? Who we got? Uh, Brian's here. Uh, rule on the Discord. Hot to Mike's here for the ambush today. And Amory tonight once again. Uh, Raven close on the on the Discord. And uh, I am Kugelfang fifty two on the Discord. And Ryan here on the podcast. Uh, we weren't going to have Amory back, but uh, Hot Tub Mike invited him while I wasn't looking. So uh, I guess he's here. <laughs> the 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 Frenchman uh, with American keeping American hours. I was quite surprised to receive an invitation from up to Mike from a. Uh, from all things, but uh, I won't. Uh, I won't deny I wasn't out. <laughs> well, you know, I think maybe he didn't listen to the other episode, and maybe that's why he invited you. Yeah, probably. I honestly did. Yeah, I didn't listen to the other episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's for the best. <laughs> I assume everyone said good things about me. Of oh, course, yeah. of course. Always and nothing, nothing but the best in the hot tub. Nothing to, be, to besmirch uh, Michelle Jacuzzi. That's right. That's right. Uh, so uh, today we are going to be uh, discussing the article that was just recently released. Um, before we do that, we have a couple things to, to chat about. The first is just uh, what's, what's on your hobby table? What games have you gotten in? Uh, Mike, what do, you, what do you have? Yeah, so I've been working uh, on Black Orcs for Orctober. And I'm currently, the last couple nights, uh, I've been painting up five of them. That would take me to 10 out of like 25. So just in the middle of the slog to uh, get a Black Orc unit put together for uh, Grimgore. And I got an event next week, and I'm still deciding whether I'm going to take uh, Orcs and Goblins if I paint these Orcs up or uh, take Bretonians or Dark Elves or something. So yeah, lots going on with regards to Warhammer and... What are, what are you working on, Ryan? Ooh. Oh, we're going out of order. Uh, well, I'm still working on the Tomb Kings. So uh, I have, uh, pulling back the curtain, we have recently recorded another episode, so I feel like I'm going over some of the same stuff. Uh, but I actually did just put together a Necrotect, I think is what it's called, the, the Tomb King Necrotect. So I put together one of those, a fine cast one, and his, his knife... Uh, fell off or broke so i had to pin that and fix it and then i also just got or recently got a uh a quick head taker model and also fine cast so i was scraping it and getting it all set up and it is now together ready to be primed but we just got the cold weather coming in so i don't know when the next time i'll have to prime is nice very cool what about you brian um, I have been putting more progress into Scarsnake and Gobla. Um, the base is finished and I'm, I'm just about finished with Gobla and then I have Scarsnake 
and then I also uh, I converted um, Zarbag's gits that Warhammer Underworld's collection of goblins into some uh, shooters and then some squigs and then the Zarbag is obviously going to be a shaman. Um, the squig brander is going to be a night goblin big boss for me. And I've got those two primed and ready to paint afterwards to kind of fill out some of my night goblin characters that I'm lacking. Uh, I'm getting pretty close to being able to do orcs versus night goblins in just a home game. So it's pretty exciting. I just have to find one of those uh, really cool BSBs from Forge World. And an opponent. And an opponent. That's correct. I mean, you can always... uh paint for yourself and uh, have it on a, in a nice display case. That's what I'm doing with uh, my painting this month. Uh, last month, I've painted a lot of yellow uh, for non-fantasy games. So this month, I'm looking forward to... Uh, I recently received uh, a miniature of Constant Dragonfell's The God Enchanter. Uh, so it's, uh, it's not a playable character in any game, as far as I know, but it's quite, uh, quite a thematic miniature, and I'm quite looking toward to, uh, uh, to paint him and then uh, have him uh, in, a, in the display case. Now, are you going to proxy him as something, or is this just going to be display? Uh, I might be able to proxy him as a Chaos Sorcerer or maybe as a Vampire Lord or at least a, a powerful uh, spellcaster in a, an Avila-aligned army. Okay. He may even... Uh, Costa Drakenfels is around during the Old World, so you never know. He may receive some sort of White Dwarf supplement. Oh, I would love it. Maybe I could uh, play as uh, Heinrich Keimler... Uh, I think he was around as well, uh, oh, yeah. because Constant Dragonfell was. Uh, if you look at uh, what's in the books and in the RPG uh, supplements, uh, where he shows up, he has a lot of undeads and chaos demons, minions uh, at his beck and call. So he would be best in a, in a mixed army. I know it's a bit of a contentious subject for some of you. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> Get that stuff right out of here. <laughs> but uh, if I had to play him in a single faction army it would be as a chaos chaos sorcerer or as maybe as a master necromancer or vampire lord for uh, vampire cons all right that's very well, cool yeah yeah um and and just so we know the non-chaos or the non-warhammer fantasy yellow you've been painting horus heresy right absolutely uh i've been uh i've been painting a lot of models i'm getting a bit sick of painting yellow all the time uh, but it's a really fun game. Uh, I was surprised uh, to to see how how it reminds me, how much it reminds me of the old Warhammer Fantasy experience uh, ten years ago, and it showed that Games Workshop can still make fun games, fun large scale games. That is because I know that some of their smaller scale games are very fun. Uh, I've, I'm thinking about uh, uh, the skirmish games. Principal, uh, first of all, Warcry, and uh, maybe yes, yeah, absolutely, Warcry. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's the reason why I'm here to be uh, slightly optimistic on the podcast because I know you own doomsayers. <laughs> uh, we are we are not doomsayers. We are all positive friends here. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, Amory has a lot that uh, he can 
he can tell us about maybe you know any any guidance or uh, wisdom that Horace Heresy knowledge can can give us about uh, what's up for the old world. Um, but before we get to the old world, it is Orktober, so uh, we have this question that comes straight from the jacuzzi. Uh, what does Orktober mean to you? So what do you think? Well, I just find it very disheartening that nobody else here is painting orcs right now, especially <laughs> you, Ryan. I mean, you're, you're over there painting Tomb Kings, bragging about it to everybody. It's a uh, very sh- shameful, really. Bra- bragging about it. If, if, you, if you think about it, it's shameful. I mean, we're right here in the heart of October. And by heart of October, I mean last opportunity, basically, to be painting orcs. And, right. and you're not. And if we really think about it, you've kind of been neglecting your orc army for a number of years, if we're all honest with the listeners. Am I right? It's accurate. It's accurate. I, I started painting them up, decided that I didn't like the scheme and was going to change it and haven't touched them since. It's hard to go back to an army when you decide that you're going to change the scheme. See, Ryan, you only thought we were going to talk about the Warhammer community rebuilds today. We're actually going to be spending our full hour and a half shaming you. Is this an intervention? I just reckon, is this an intervention? Ryan was like, what, what does October mean to you? And I just went right in, right in on him. <laughs> Didn't address the question at all. Or, are we not? Yeah, it I is thought, an ambush, but it's an ambush. It's an inception. It's a, it's a double ambush. It's an ambushing ambush. To, to bring it back in, I'll, I'll talk about October, what it means to me. Uh, October is a special time of the year. Leaves are changing. Uh, the term orc kind of flows with the term October. So that's where it derives from, I assume. I don't know how many years back this goes. Could be 25, could be 100. Um, but I've been working diligently the last six months with a couple of other painters I know who are loosely affiliated with me to get the orc component of my orcs and goblin army up to snuff. For many years, I've traditionally played only orcs and like squigs and trolls and other other uh, ancillary You mean only goblins, units. right? Only goblins. Well, goblins plus giants, trolls, right. squigs, everybody but orcs, basically. I never really felt the orcs too much, but then uh, time changes. You think differently about armies. You look at a picture of an orc and it doesn't, doesn't disgust you as much as it used to. And uh, so I started, and I played against a lot of orcs, and I was like, these guys are pretty decent. And uh, so I added some orcs, added Nazgob, added a BSB, added Grimgore, and I've got about 20 biggins painted up. I need to get to about 40, and I'm starting on a black orc unit so I can roll Grimgore around the table. Was, it when, you, so, was it when you played my orcs or Brian's orcs that you were uh, inspired? It was I mean, Brian's, definitely. Brian. <laughs> Not my, guys. not my unpainted ones. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Brian with a B, not Ryan with an R. Okay. Uh, yeah. So everything's really getting into shape. And hopefully by the end of November, December, I've got the orc component of my orcs and goblins army really up to snuff. And so I at least am really taking the Orktober bulls by the horns here and doing it some justice. I realized whenever I was... Uh... I, I got actually got an alert on my phone. It, it sends you what you were doing last year, what you were taking pictures of last year. And um, the other day, it's normally filled with pictures of, of my daughter. But one of the days was a year ago during October, I painted Azag. And uh, this year during October, I painted Grimgore. And the 
the year before last during October, October, it was Gorbad. Um, the, the year that I got back into Warhammer Fantasy, I did Gorbad during October, year after Azag, this year Grimgore. So here's hoping next year the Old World has another named cool war boss for me to paint during October. I would love that. Fingers crossed, Brian. I'm really hoping for you, you know? Fingers crossed, yeah. I mean, no, everybody else can have the war boss too, but mostly mostly me during October next year. You know, I'd be really surprised if we have Bretonnia, which is led by a king, na- a nickname, the Oxlayer, and we don't have an appropriately big war boss to lead the war against him, you know? Oh, that's what I'm banking on. I- I'm, I'm banking on... Uh, Lewin Orkslayer really earning that name Orkslayer and there being a really cool big bad to give him that name. Uh, clearly for me, Orktober has no meaning. <laughs> well, we didn't want to call you out like that. I'll show a bit of solidarity with, uh, with Ryan. Uh, I know for some it's October, for me it's Spooktober, so I'm actually painting undeads and everything a bit scary or spooky in my forces, which is why I mentioned Drakenfels earlier, and I think last year uh, I painted uh, a mareworm, uh, or at least one of the many monsters in my display case behind me. So less about green skins, I think I only got a total of one green skin, which is a goblin, uh, and more about undeads and the uh, sky creatures. It's okay, Amari. You're only a guest here, and we don't. <laughs> we, have, we, have, we have very low expectations. Wow. Uh, Ryan is the founder and host of the podcast, so expectations are a little. Well, it's about that because just for that, I'm going to make sure that he invites me for the next one. Oh man, I really did not expect Mike to just come out guns blading, blazing and I know, sh- I know. throwing shade this way. This is like <laughs> the the most aggressive form of hot tub Mike that we've seen. I think. Yeah, it is. it's warm. It's boiling. <laughs> You don't, you guys, don't you guys read what I write on the Discord? Oh, no. <laughs> it's like all like this. This is how I talk, too. Yeah, but we usually we, we, we discard it. We disregard it. Am I blocked? Am I blocked? Do you guys not see my messages? <laughs> no, no, we do read, but we disregard it regardless. Oh, man. I, I right. have to read well, it, otherwise I can't moderate you. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Sometimes he just uh, has to just keep reading and seeing the other stuff. So... Um, all right. Well, that's what Orktober means to us. The the trees, the leaves on the trees are turning from, uh, I guess, from orange to green during October. I don't know what, what that's about, but um, okay. So that's Orktober. We are now going to get to uh, the article itself. So if you don't know, uh, Warcom came out with an article for its, uh, for Warhammer, the old world. It's under that, you know, the Old World tab, you can see that. It's titled Old World Almanac, Your First Look at the Rules. It's got a lovely image for Orktober of goblins fighting high elves. Um, so that's the image. And this is the first time we get to hear about the rules. And they tell us about what they call the strategy phase. So... Um, Tell us what what's this about? Who wants to talk about what what we see in this article? What's what's going on? Structure, strategy phase. Someone take one of those things for us. 
Um, so in this article, we see the turn sequence, which has four uh, phases, much like uh, previous editions of the game, except that the magic phase has been removed and we now have a strategy phase. So the turn sequence uh, starts, begins with the strategy phase. It reads that during the strategy phase, the active player attempts to cast enchantment or X spells and makes use of certain special rules before attempting to rally any fling units. Uh, then it's onto the movement. Um, I'm, I'm going to to linger a bit on the on the strategy phase because I think it's uh, it's the most important uh, change the, from uh, from the previous editions. Uh, I for one. Uh, think it's a, it's an interesting idea uh i am wary of it turning into uh, some things that we've seen in uh, warmer 40k in recent times but i think it's a good idea to have the big army wide or at least uh unit wide uh bonuses and penalties applied before even the movement uh because it allows you to uh plan your plan uh, your uh, your game plan without uh relying on luck uh to get your uh, your wisan or your uh, your mind your other uh, your other blades uh on the magic phase and if you don't get these critical spells of you are sitting duck so i think it's interesting from the point of uh of strategy and planning. Yeah, there, I, I think that uh, what you just said there with the strategy phase and then the movement phase then the shooting phase and the combat phase and with strategy, it says that uh, the active player can cast enchantment or hex spells. Mm -hmm. um, I, I agree. I think that was the first thing that I noticed is you're not going to charge in and then, you know, in, in eighth edition, you might charge in, roll a 2-1 for your magic phase and your opponent channels and now it's you're even on dice and they dispel your wizens or your whatever spell you were counting on or needed, you know, hoping to get at least one spell off and you know, you're messed over or whatever. So I agree that it allows you to take into account your magic a little bit more in your movement and it's less random that way. Um, so I agree that that's a positive um, in, in that way. So completely agree there. I like charging in with my dinky dark elf spearman and then six dicey mind razor and like rolling the dice on that. But I guess yeah. I'll have to figure something else out. Yeah. That's certainly like, one way to play. It seems like they really gave uh, a lot of buffs or um, a lot more agency to the player who's doing the charging that turn by giving you the not only the ability to have magic in the strategy phase but one of the things that i picked up on was and this the this was kind of just mentioned in passing but they said that fanatics would be releasing during this the strategy phase as opposed to just whenever movement would pop them out of the unit so if they continue to have fanatics pop out of the unit as a um, compulsory move and the player doesn't have control of the fanatics. This allows the opponent playing against the fanatics 
the benefit of the full charge, the full damage, the full everything before the fanatics actually release to weaken that charge. Um, so it uh, it seems like it gives a lot more uh, strength to the active player's turn because they can also measure that charge on if they do get a Wissens off, right? So not only will will they not have this obstacle playing against a Greenskins player, but they'll also have the benefit of knowing before they charge if their magic went off. So you mentioned that the fanatics are placed on the table during the strategy phase. Um, what else did it mention as things that could happen? What examples of stuff that we might see during this strategy phase? Uh, one of them will be the second subphase of the strategy phase, which is the command subphase. Uh, according to the article, it's when uh, you trigger the character specials um, and they show one of the magic items, the first magic item for this new edition that we see actually, which is the uh, Falcon Horn of Fredemund. And it's uh, it's an item that allows the, the character to make a leadership test. And if this test is passed until the next uh, uh, until your next start of turn, uh, enemies cannot use the fly special all, which first of all is absolutely insane. Yeah, that's going seems, to nick up some armies. <laughs> that seems uh, amazingly powerful. And yeah. you know, in, in a way, I, I I like it because previously only Skavens had access to something to uh, to ground flying units, and flying units were so dominant in the game because you basically never could charge flying units unless you play the positioning game very, very well. So I like that there are more options, or at least they intend to get more options to uh, handle uh, flying units besides just fielding two to three cannons and shooting them off the board, you know? Right. But I think... Yeah, go ahead, please. I think in the strategy phase, you're also going to see uh, rules like stupidity, animosity, rallying, fleeing troops, things that are just the very, you would normally find in an eighth edition game at the very beginning of the phase. I think those are all going to take place um, in the strategy phase. I think the article mentions that stupidity takes place in that phase. So all of those. It calls it the start of turn subphase, which is the first of the subphases in the strategy phase. Yes. Continue so- to do your upkeep. Yeah. You need to just, uh, at the beginning of your turn, just like in 8th edition, you just need to do those things to make sure that your units can act appropriately You know, during the remaining moves phase and all the other phases. One I was kind of that's... personally disappointed to see that item about uh, things with flying get, get removed. It almost makes, it, at least from a Greenskins perspective, I'm really looking for an opportunity to have wyverns be good (laughs) i would love for wyverns to be good and i don't know how often those types of uh magic items are going to be available or how often they can be used it it didn't say it was a one-time use so it could just be the horn just be blown the entire game potentially i'm not i'm not sure they'd go that far but um yeah I, i was really looking for an opportunity for, for wyverns to be useful and it kind of i was kind of hoping monsters just in general would be um a little bit more useful and prevalent you kind of don't see them uh as much as you you might because they're great targets for cannons and um stuff like that so 
I, I don't know. It, it kind of adds an additional weakness to monsters as opposed to an immediate buff right out of the gate. You know, we, we don't know exactly how the enchanted items or this command subphase will work. Um, right. You know, this seems super powerful, but if you think about it as th this may be a, a possible thing where there's trade-off costs, not just in that there's other enchanted items that might be better, but it could be that, you know, uh, certain characters can only do one command action a turn or a game or whatever. And so um, that could be where the limitation is. And so it could be that, yeah, they're, you know, they're not letting your flying units fly, but they're not able to give some other sort of command that gives benefit. Right. So it, it might be one of those things that uh, seems super powerful, but has limitations through activity or through, um, you know, what's, what's lost by not, or by taking it, you know, what opportunities have they lost? I wonder also if by using one item such as this one, you will not forego the use of other useful abilities. Uh, for, ex for instance, what if the inspiring presence of the general uh, was a command action, and then you either get the uh, leadership bubble around your general, or you get to blow the horn. And so you have to make a choice between grounding every flying units or giving your leadership to your allied units. And uh, you have to make choice depending on the situation. Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah that type true. of thing. Very true. We don't know, but that, that seems like a, a possibility. I think you should be able to ground all flying units every turn as long as you pass an unmodified leadership check. That sounds reasonable. Well, that sounds like something we'll implement in my in our games when I play against your Pegasus <laughs> Knights. We'll see how it goes. We're starting to get the idea that Bretonians are going to be the most powerful faction in uh, <laughs> the old world, and some of us have been playing Bretonians, you know, before they were the best before they're the best army. You know, I wouldn't get your hopes too high because we've not seen the Empire's roster yet, and we all know which faction is the best human faction. Oh, do they have the horn? The flying horn? I don't know. No, they've got guns. Mike's going to extrapolate <laughs> everything from a single enchanted <laughs> item. Uh, I love it. Yep. This, he's really embodying the grognard spirit. Makes me takes me back to the days of Warseer, where people see one rule and uh, believe they knew everything about what the book was going to be. So, with that in mind, we're going to take this one rule and assume we know everything about what is going to happen. Everything will be on a scale of one to ten flying horns. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right, so we've got the uh, Falcon Horn of Fredemund, and uh, that's in the strategy phase. Is there anything else in the strategy phase uh, that's going on? Yes, I would like to speak about uh, spellcasting during the strategy phase, because the article says that spellcasters are actually players take turn casting their spells during the strategy phase, which means that you are going to cast spells during your opponent's turn as well as yours. So I imagine that you will cast a blessings and ameliorations on your turn and you will be casting X's uh, during your opponent's turn. So I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work. Uh, I'm very curious because it doesn't look like they're going for what we've known 
uh, as far as magic goes. I don't think we're going to have power dices or a pool of magic dices. Uh, I think it's going to be a system entirely different. And I'm also quite excited to see some uh, alternate play, uh, some alternating activation, at least, uh, for, for Warner Battle. And, you know, that's interesting. I hadn't considered that. Yeah. I do think one thing here to note is it doesn't mention dispelling, which doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be dispelling. It just doesn't mention it, at least that I saw. Did anyone else see it? No. So it's possible, not necessarily accurate, but it's possible that the the type of counterplay that we're seeing is is what Amari just dis- described, where it's, um, you know, uh, hexes that might undermine uh, the augment that someone else just cast. Yeah, um, absolutely. The, the the thing is, from what I've seen in recent iterations of other games, uh, game workshops tend to have uh, moved away from the opposition between casting and dispelling spells. Uh, in previous editions of uh, the Horus Seresi, you add uh, a psychic phase that worked much like the magic phase in Warhammer Fantasy, where you add your pool of psychic, psychic dices and you will cast your spells and then your opponent will try to dispel them. In newer editions, you just roll a leadership test or you make a test and then uh, it uh, it works or it doesn't. And the most interactions your opponent has with it is with the casting value of it. So maybe instead of having dispel attempts, maybe uh, the dwarf passive ability, their passive innate magic resistance, will be to increase the casting value of every spell by two or three or what have you, uh, instead of just having to attempt to dispel it, uh, which will mean less holes to play the game. Yeah, I... I'm one who loves the, I like the magic phase, the little mini game within the magic phase. Not that I'm necessarily good at it, but I, I enjoy it and understand it um, to some degree. And I would say I would miss it if it were gone, but it it doesn't mean that the magic phase will necessarily be simple. I think as I read over this um, this article, I saw a number of ways that, that the magic phase still has a can, or not magic phase, but that magic can still have a lot of depth. One is is how you just expressed it. It's you know it's the uh, taking turns in you know the command phase where you can cast, but they can also cast. So there's certainly it's it seems like it'll be a different type of mini game, but that it will still be there. Uh, that's something that I've noticed in recent uh, iterations of the game. So they they began implementing it in uh, Warhammer 40k with the use of stratagems for good or worse. Uh, they've started uh, implementing it in uh, specialist games. Uh, I've, I've killed him in mind. I've played a bit of Kill Team this weekend, and you uh, take turns activating one of your miniatures, uh, then it's your opponent, then it's you again. And and in uh, uh, the Cersei, uh, you have reactions that you can take during your opponent's turn. So uh, I get, I've got the impression that Games Workshop is, mo- is trying to move closer to um, 
alternate activation games where you actually play during your opponent's turn and you just don't just wait for one hour for them to go through the different phases of the game. So we've seen the the strategy phase uh, with apparently a bit of a back and forth, at least for Magic. So um, I believe we'll see also a bit of back and forth in uh, movements, in shooting and in combat phase, or at least I hope so. Just to speak really quickly about the spells that it seems like this, it just mentions, what does it call them? It calls them enchantments, which are boosts and hexes, which it says are penalties uh, to your enemies. So um, that's the type. And it does give an example of uh, one type of of enchantment. So anyone want to talk about uh, this enchantment from the lore of Nehekara? I think this one caused a fair amount of uh, uh, discussion on the <laughs> Discord, to say the least. Uh, it's it's relatively simple enchantment. It's uh, there's a casting value, and they they mentioned that they're going to go further into how magic works later. So uh, there's no telling if you still roll for your pool of of magic dice, or if you're just allotted a certain amount of magic dice, or it's just every spell you roll two dice and you either cast it or you don't. Um, but the effect of the, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher the name, Joff's uh, Incantation of Cursed Blades uh, with some really cool flavor text. Uh, it's an enchantment for the lore of Nehekara, casting value 7, uh, range self, and until the start of your next, the start of turn subphase, any friendly unit that has the Nehekar and Undead special rule and that is within the caster's command range may re-roll any rolls to hit of a natural one. And so there was a few things that caused discussion in there. Um, the command range was the first one where uh, some some people are speculating that um, wizards or commanders or characters are going to have auras or at least the ability to interact with uh, a certain amount of inches around them um, by default or by passive or by active ability. And GW is just calling that the command range. And then the second bit that caused a lot of discussion was the re-roll any rolls to hit of a natural one, which uh, it seems like maybe some players have a, a little bit of a dislike for that mechanic. Um, I don't think I really do, since uh, Warhammer is a dice game, and there's only so many gimmicks you can have in a dice game. Uh, so re-rolling being one of those. So um... playing Dark Elves, I've become very accustomed to re-rolling everything. Yeah, I mentioned that it's it's built straight into the Dark Elf kit. Well, in I, I think that's edition. what people don't like about it. I think you're looking at it's probably sixth ed, seventh ed people that are, you know, sixth ed where there's not really any army wide rerolls and seventh ed where they're in a single book and it's high elves and it's OP. Oh, um, no, no, no. They don't have army wide reroll, the high elves. Oh, they only strike right. us all the time. That's right. They didn't get the. I thought they did get rerolls in, uh, uh, in no. seventh. They didn't. Okay. Count demons, however, do have hatred on everyone. Okay. So in any case, there's, there's very limited armies that have you know, constant reroll, but then in eight, that really does proliferate with all the elves getting 
ASF rerolls, and then Beastmen getting effective rerolls every every turn unless they fail their test and stuff. So I think some of it is is that kind of reaction, the negative reaction to those rerolls. But as you know, this is this is a spell that gives rerolls on a one. So it's not rerolls for everything. It's rerolls on a one to a small subset of units and you have to cast it. So this is something that's been in the game since at least sixth edition in different spell forms. No reroll. A spell that allows you to reroll ones to hit is not uh, that game breaking or shattering or anything. It's a very mild, it's a very mild spell. Yeah, it's not, it's not particularly impressive. And I think what we can extrapolate from this is that Tomb Kings are still going to be a bottom yep. tier army. Uh, so, <laughs> Oh, definitely. The 8th edition version of this spell, Here We Go, is already better than this. So Here We Go is everything within 12 inches of the Orc Shaman gets rerolls to hits just blanket. So 1s, 2s, 3s, you know, the, you get to reroll your hit. So... Um, Greenskins dunking on the Tomb Kings already. But one of the biggest complaints, leverage against 8th edition, was that magic was too powerful. Anyway, uh, I get the feeling that we're going to see more magic and more wizards, but that the scope of the magic will be lessened uh, oh, compared to 8th so. edition. I so, so I think we're going to see a, a, a hybrid of sort between 6th and 7th edition where you had to spam uh, wizards in order to have uh, a significant magic phase and a significant magic dice pool. Uh, and 8th edition, where, where you had less spells and where the level of your spellcaster was paramount. And so you usually cast one to two big spells that would decide whether you had a good turn or not. So I think we're going to see a nice middle ground between the both of them. Yeah, that, that sounds like what we're seeing. I mean, we don't we don't know a lot. We don't know casting value. I I do love the idea of. Um, I know some people are not be keen on characters having um, a like smaller range of effect type of stuff. Um, I love that. Right. I want I want my orc big boss to do something other than just be an orc big boss in a unit that occasionally fights or whatnot. Like I want things other than my level four to do stuff. And so I like the idea of, you know, saying, okay, I want to have a bunch of level ones, let's say that are dispersed about the battlefield so that I can have effect on a greater or a larger portion of the battlefield. But someone else may say, I want a level four and I really want to shape this part of the battlefield or, you know, a BSB or a, whatever it is. Um, I really like that idea of, of them having areas that they can affect um, if that's the, the way that this scene that if that's the way that this works so traditionally wizards could only have duplicate spells if one of them was a lore master um, if we're going to be playing around with wizards and these command ranges do you think they're going to take out that that rule and we could see the tomb kings rolling with i don't know three lore of Nehekaras uh, to support different different sections of the field trying to cast this buff specifically or another buff like it um, to to buff different parts of the field. And sometimes it'll go off, sometimes it won't. And maybe that's an opportunity for the opponent to push harder on that. 
for once uh, I'm going to be cautious about it because as we know the Imperial Colleges of Magic have not been codified yet so we are not going to see Jade Wizards, uh, Amber Wizards uh, and Colored Wizards in the uh, Empire roster and I think it's going to trickle down to affect every other armies. What I think we're going to have is a selection of a few different types of wizards in each army books and each type of wizard will have a set of maybe two, three, maybe four for the most powerful, uh, two to four spells that they get access to and that's it and you won't have a choice. That's what I'm afraid of. Uh, it will be in line with something that we've seen in other games. Uh, I wouldn't be a big fan of the change, but that is something that is very possible. And then if wizards come stuck with a selection of spells already, there will be no issue spamming them to have several iterations of the same spell. I do think that magic will be more circumspect. I agree with that. Um, we might see elves having a lot of different stuff, but I don't think you're going to see especially humans, I think humans are going to be kind of cast down into the other factions that only have a couple spells. Um, and you might just see High Elves as the one faction that really has a lot of variety in spells. The Bretonians shouldn't be affected by the lack of Imperial wizarding schools, all right? Bretonians <laughs> don't subscribe to that. They'll, they'll have their ladies. They'll still have access to the lore of life, lore of heavens, and lore of beasts. All if right. those lores exist in that form. Of course they will. The Empire doesn't need any fancy magic. They have guns. That's true. They've got Nolm. I wonder if the guns will be more primitive because it's way in the well, past. I would but... be I would be disappointed to see any uh, to near any steam tank. I know they will be playable because every old model will be playable, but steam tanks do not exist yet. How do we not have any progression in firearms technology in five hundred years? All right. I know. Come on. It, it, when you played Mordheim and you had guns, they had a misfire chance. Any Imperial gun had a chance to blow up in your hands, just like a Skaven gun, because it was 500 years before my fantasy battle, and it was the beginning of the technology. So there was some, there was a bit of evolution. That's what Mike wants. Mike wants on a roll of a one, on your to hit roll with your Empire, you know, handgunners, they their gun explodes and they die. Is that what Mike is wanting? Yeah, sure. I don't really play with Empire handguns or anything, but I mean, maybe the cannons are less reliable. That might be a thing. Anything else on that strategy phase? Uh, there's mention of the there's mention of a moral subphase, where if you want to rally your units, uh, you have penalties if the unit is under half strength or below twenty five percent of the starting uh, number. So if your unit is under half strength, you get a minus one penalty to your leadership to rely. And if you are under 25%, you need a natural double one to to get back in the fight. And I think it's uh, it reminds me of some rules in old editions of uh, Warmer 40k and I believe in Warmer Battle as well. I'm not sure for these ones. But I like our leadership is going to be more impacted and you will have less of a chance to see units of like Freeze Kings or uh, five, uh, five Empire Spearmen to rely and uh, be an annoyance after you mold 36 
of the same spearmen the run before. <laughs> yeah. I think another thing this suggests is that they they decided to recognize that um, when you've killed half of a unit, you should this should have some sort of effect. I hope that they take that into account when they're talking about like mm -hmm. points that you get at victory points. I hope that oh, they yeah, go, go back to giving half points for half of a unit killed because there's nothing worse than, you know, a, a 40 man unit having like five guys still on the table at the end of the game and you just don't yeah. get points for it. And that will, uh, that will also lead people away from playing Death Star just for point retention. Yes. My, my hope is that it indicates that they recognize the importance of psychology and leadership in the game uh, and that they started playing around it more than they did in 8th edition. I think it was slightly too strong in 6th and 7th edition, especially with flying monster who could just pop in the middle of your line and trigger terror tests on everyone and maybe root an entire army just by virtue of existing. But in 8th edition, it was tuned down way too much. So it basically never mattered. So far that people playing VC and Tomb Kings would literally forget to have people roll for fear because it just didn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah, bring back auto-breaking from fear okay, if you outnumber that. your enemy. No, I don't think... Who's with me? Ravenclaws, I know you're with me on this. <laughs> I think he well, said not too far. I, I play demons, so I never outnumber my enemies, but yeah, sure. <laughs> well, back in 6 with vampires, you could keep adding skeletons onto a unit forever yes, but, it but was I awesome demons, <laughs> demons weren't even an army in sixth ravenclaws what do you mean they, they didn't we have their own book no well i mean chaos warriors didn't have their own book either and they were real faction i i'm a thumb that was the this. warriors book <laughs> no it was it was uh hordes right or was that yeah, it was hordes, hordes of chaos everyone was in the same book maybe demons will actually be in the chaos warriors book you know so now we're talking about six, so we know we are way off topic. <laughs> what did you expect? No, no, one, no one wants to talk about six. The article does mention that there's a distinctive uh, subset rule called morale, which hasn't been seen in any edition of Warhammer Fantasy Battles before. And we're not exactly sure how that's going to be different than psychology. And so that's going to be something that we're going to get some information on, I guess, in the next coming months. But it'll be interesting to see what the difference is between psych psychology and morale is and how that relates to break tests and leadership tests and uh, if I, what we traditionally know as psychology tests. If I may speculate on the, sub on the, the subject, uh, we know that they mentioned that losing a fight will not mean that you will break immediately, but maybe that you would be pushed back. So what if this moral... Uh, is actually uh, related to that. So maybe you lose the fight. You make a leadership test modified by how much you lost the fight. Uh, and then if you lost more, or if you are below half strength, you get an additional minus one penalty. Uh, and then depending on how badly you lose the, you, you fail the leadership test, you get either pushed back a little, pushed back a lot, or you break out right which will mean that units, large units losing the fight barely and still having a lot of uh, models in the unit would hold the ground more or less, but you could push them, push units back or shatter them entirely if they are ground down low enough. 
which will prevent all of uh, stubborn units uh, that stay to the last, even if you mold 20 skeletons or 20 scaven slaves in the round. Uh, well, skeletons are, are a bad example, but let's say you kill 20 scaven slaves in the round and there are still 12 of them and they stay. Uh, that always feels bad, you know? Yeah, so we, we've... Uh... Amari gave us an outline, and he himself has broken this outline. He's gone to speculation. Yes. And we, who knows what's going on? We'll try to get back where we were going. We've we've talked about the command or the strategy phase. The next phase is the movement phase. And it says you start with declaration of charges, charge reactions. So something we uh, those who've played before are familiar with. Uh, then the movement of charging units. After this comes compulsory movements. So this would maybe be fleeing or, or whatnot we're not sure exactly chaos spawns what it's been chaos spawns random movement of nations um and then any remaining movement is carried out and conveyance spells are cast so it gives an example of the conveyance spell you know brian's excited about this ex example of a conveyance spell that's coming back what is it brian uh hand of gork or mork that's right. So, so conveyance spells, I guess, are just movement-related spells. Is that yep. where we're putting they, the They this? convey you to wherever you're going. That's right. So, yeah, the the cunning side of Mork or Gork is going to move the orcs around in this phase. But it does seem like you'll be able to use your conveyance spells and then move. So you could potentially hand of gork some fanatics or some night goblins into place and then move them forward for the fanatic release it's very speculative yeah different editions have handled using magic to charge differently um, sixth had it uh, seventh had a couple that things that could but they were usually leftovers from sixth and eighth didn't have any uh, charging in based in magic so um, yeah, because it's a dumb rule. Here. What's that? Yes, because it's a dumb rule. Charging uh, with magic, wow. you know, especially if magic is a little bit more reliable or something. Because you know, one, the one thing was it was less reliable, except for unless you were vampires, where they could just spam it over and over until they got it, which was the part that was uh, feels no good. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I, it's not a rule I love. I don't really love coming into to combat through magic, but um, yeah. If we remember in 6th edition with the vampire counts, guys, uh, you could Van Hell's Dance Macabre charge people into combat. That's it was, was amazing. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. No, no, it, it was, was not no amazing fun. to be in the city. Ryan, were you even around playing 6th edition? Do you remember that? I, I played yeah. some 6th edition games. All right. All right. Especially since uh, the vampire counts used to fill so many wizards, so they always have domination yeah. in magic. So, yeah, they'd have like Goodness three Van Hells to cast anyway. So they're just like, I'm going to call cast Van Hells with this magic user, and now with this magic user. Those were good times. Uh -huh. <laughs> we're coming back. Sadly, vampire counts will not be in the old world. <laughs> Uh, they don't exist. They don't even yep. exist. That's Camden's only army. He'll have to start Wood Elves. Spotswood's uh, going to need a new army. Um, Make him play uh, Battle Kings. 
All like right. Tomb Kings, but riskant. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we've got the movement phase, um, shooting phase, anything different, right? You've got active player shooting with those with missile weapons, with war machines, and then what's added here? Ma magic missiles. And vortexes. And vortexes. Yes, don't forget the vortexes. Best part of a edition. Is it? I did not enjoy vortexes. <laughs> I think vortexes can be more fun if they're a little more random. Um, and also if the, the hard part about vortexes was that mages could just like, if they had fly or on horses or whatever, they could just like move to the flank of your unit and then just spray the vortex down your unit. Um, if you just have to like send it out into the middle of a battlefield and then it goes random from there, that to me is more fun than I'm sitting on your flank and spraying it down your line. I won't, I won't miss Purple Sun if they get rid of it. But, but I can't you'll say miss really Occam's even. Mind Razor, right? That's not a vortex. We're talking about vortexes. <laughs> <laughs> Stay on topic. I don't want to lose uh, Curse of the Bad Moon before I get it, or before I actually get to use it. Oh man, that one, if you cast it on Lizardmen, can really, oh, that can hurt so bad. Or Ogres. Really, any load. So, any, are any we assuming issue. magic missile is uh, synonymous with uh, direct damage spells as well? Yeah, I think so. I think. Well, I think this may mean that they don't. Do, I mean, to me, this read as save or die damage. Direct damage spells, I think, are not going to be there. I, I took this as like they're looking at more. Like you're not shooting this. I guess magic missiles are at a unit, but I think more that. The magic, yeah, without the direct damage stuff. So I, yeah. for one, liked that idea. But I think I think we'll be able to speak about direct damage in the next phase, and I think magic missiles are just magic missiles. I think either they removed direct damage entirely, or they moved it to the combat phase with the new assailment type of spells. But I don't think we'll be able to cast direct damage spells anymore, at least during the uh, the shooting phase. So I will be assailing my opponent with Gork's foot over and over again? Yes, but you'll I be... guess. <laughs> Maybe. Uh... I, I don't know. It's a little unclear. I don't know if the assailment spells are going to be direct damage spells. Um, I just... I'm... I don't I mean, see it. A, I don't necessarily see a direct connection there. So I mean, we could theoretically have to direct damage spells in I mean, one of these other sections. I mean, we just don't really know. If you're looking at what the lore of direct damage spells was, the lore of direct damage spells tended to have some sort of assailing force. So think like dwellers below is, you know, dwellers below assailing your enemy, and the foot of Gork is Gork's foot assailing so i could see those as direct damage but uh, i agree mike that it doesn't ne necessarily mean that but i think it could reasonably uh, be that i mean it says wizards attempt to fend off their attackers with assailment spells like i don't know that i necessarily think of foot or dwellers or something as like wizard fending off their attackers with an assault like i always thought of them as like long range spells so, oh, yeah. The, I guess assailment spells could be like instead of wizards fighting or having a, an attack, mm -hmm. they're fighting the things directly in combat with them. Certainly could be. Well, I mean, it, it seems like it may be a buff 
Uh, I'm not sure if it's something to help their unit or themselves in combat. Uh, I don't know if it's direct damage. It just it doesn't I, read I'm gonna, very clearly. I'm going to actually change this. I think my speculation would be that this is how wizards fight in combat, is that they use spells to attack the enemies right around them. Ooh, that's that's my speculation. Uh, to circle back to the feet of Mark, maybe it's got lumped <laughs> to the Vortex category, and now Vortex doesn't mean necessarily the, uh, the template that moves, and simply any spell that has a template whatsoever. So that would be Purple Sun, that would be Curse of the Bad Moon, that would be Feet of Gok, and it would just be everything with a template that you set somewhere and then it scatters. That's so nice of you trying to give Brian some hope after his hopes were crushed. Like, he was feeling really bad, and now you've you've helped him out. That was really nice of you. No, no, I... I... There's no way they're going to get rid of Foot of Gork. It's it's too iconic of a spell. It's uh, it, it even made its way to Age of Sigmar. So that, um, there's no way. I mean, we were saying I, that I would about be very Vampire surprised. Counts. We were saying that about Vampire Counts and they got rid of them. So maybe they gave Foot of Gork to AOS and they're not going to give it to the old world. Ooh. I bought a foot template like a month ago, and then <laughs> I get I gave Javier one of my foot templates. I bought two foot templates. <laughs> so you, I haven't even cast it yet. You're saying you, they have to have it. Yeah, but it's a nice fit to have. Nice foot. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a beautiful little piece of plastic. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like that. It's got that green hue on it, like you know, vaguely reminiscent of an orc. All right. So we've got the shooting phase. We talked about shooting vortex magic missiles. We've got the combat phase, hand to hand melee, and assailment spells. Uh, and then it says, if you lose combat, you may be driven back or become broken and flee. Uh, so this is where Amari and others have been talking about that losing doesn't necessarily mean that you break. Um, but there may be some other mechanic for if you only lose by one or you have more models or whatever. Any thoughts on that? I, I like that change personally. Because it can be very, very swingy if your big block of stuff just happens to be the loser of combat, and then losing combat leads eventually leads to fleeing, and uh, it it would feel less bad having your entire block of whatever I don't know twenty eight to thirty models flee and then get caught. It, it would feel less bad if they were just pushed back a little bit until they got a little smaller. That's why Ravenclaws and I don't use hordes. Am I right, Raven Ravenclaws? I'm right on this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know this to be a lie. I have seen Mike use hordes. But have you seen me use hordes? No, no, I, I, would, I would never. No, let's see. Nope, I don't think you did when we played the one time. So, no, I can't call you a liar, just Mike. Yeah, only one of us say, tells the truth. <laughs> uh, anything else on on combat on pushback we really don't know what that's going to look like um, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to envision it I mean I just really there's no precedent for it in Warhammer Fantasy and I just no idea what it's going to mean if you lose combat and you're pushed back is that mean you're going to have some uh, negative to your next round of combat or you know then it makes the odds even it like builds on itself and it makes the odds even worse that your unit could win that combat. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I hope it's more and, than simply 
you know, you're moved back an inch because, I mean, that could affect the game with flank charges and stuff, but it's a that's kind of rare, right? Like, if it's just you're pushed back a little bit, that's not a real big effect. I'm excited about this new world because it's an entirely new concept, and I can see so many ways for it to be to lead to interesting situations. For example, if you play a deep unit with more ranks, uh, you are harder to push back or break entirely. If you play a wider unit, you would be easier to break, uh, but you would have more attacks. And then that could lead to cavalry getting their use back in that they would have a harder push and an easier time to break entirely units instead of just being like cavalry, but more expensive and uh, faster. So uh, I think it's the answer to uh, the debacle that was steadfast in 8th edition, as well as how easy it was for cavalry and monsters to break entire, entire formations of infantry in 6th and 7th. I think it's a nice middle ground. And even if you only push back a few inches every time, uh, I think it's a good middle ground, as, uh, as Brian said, to not have your entire formation breaking and being uh, overrun immediately and just giving ground slightly. And maybe you can actually uh, plan around that and build unveil units that will give ground slowly so that you can, over time, get uh, enemy unit out of position and then you can have a nice flank charge. So that could actually be a trick, a strategy in there for some armies. Amari's playing the five turn game right there he's he's thinking about turn five and turn one that's why he's going to beat us all i mean you have to if you don't plan your game up up to uh, turn six i mean what are you even doing you're playing orcs no if you're not not playing into (laughs) turn six you're playing orcs that's i told you i don't have a single green skin (laughs) we need to we need to get you one for next october Uh, oh yes you do i paint it Maybe we need a Discord event for October. Man, we have so many events, though. We do. We could, yeah. we could send one to Amari Par Avion. That's French for by, by plane. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for translating. Great, great job. <laughs> great work, Mike. Great work, Mike. Um, uh, so we've, we've got the four phases. We've talked about them. We've talked about magic. Uh, we've, we've talked about... A little bit about Aura's characters, uh, what they may do. Any final speculations? Slat, uh, we'll do those separately. Any any other speculations? We've kind of mixed those in, but any others? Should uh, they have a good basis or just anything we want to say? Well, they can't be about bases. We're having no speculation about bases. Not even a little bit? Not, not even a, a little <laughs> bit. Not even 25 millimeters of speculation about bases. Or 32 millimeters. None. Damn it. I'm running some diagnostics right now. We're going to get to the bottom of it Are you pretty counting soon pixels? here. Are you yeah, it's only going to take a couple more days. Pixels? So look <laughs> Brian, out for that. I think that was speculation in itself by saying 32 instead of 30. Uh-huh. Exactly. Meta speculation right there. Uh, I think we're going to see a new stat. Uh, a, new, uh, a new stat for characters, which is going to be the command... Mm-hmm. which will be the uh, command radius, the command hour uh, for characters. So I envision some uh, unit-leading characters, for example, Empire, uh, Warrior Priest, or Witch Hunters, 
who would uh, would not have actually an hour and just give their whatever the bonus would be to the unit they are currently sitting in. And then we would have some mid-level characters, some mid-level leaders, such as the Empire Captain, who would give their abilities to their unit and to maybe in a radius of six inches around the uh, on the, the captain. Uh, then wizards would also have their command range, but would, it would only be used when they cast spells, such as the, the spell that was uh, talked about uh, previously. And then you would have leading characters, such as the Empire General, who would have a very wide command aura and would uh, be able to affect most of an army. So I'm quite excited to see how they uh, they handle that. But I expect more characters to have aura and more effects to uh, affect the units. Yeah, I think my speculation is going to be kind of along those lines as well. If um, there's going to be these command auras and they're going to be a lot more prevalent i think we're going to see a lot more characters not sitting in bunkers of units they're going to be placed around the battlefield so that they will be able to buff as many things as possible at a time as opposed to being safely within a bunker uh, the entire time just to fill out their one role that you took them for they're going to be moving around the battlefield and vulnerable to uh, shooting spells and uh, opposing characters who might even be designed to hunt these these uh, buffing characters. Yeah, based on these few speculations and uh, what we know about pushing back units instead of just breaking them, I envision a game that's going to be widely different from what we've seen in previous editions while still looking and feeling like Warhammer Fantasy Battle. But all in all, I'm pretty excited about how it's going to look like. Yeah, yeah. I, this was, to me, a really positive article. I thought uh, the stuff in it seemed interesting, seemed cool. Nothing seemed you know, so far out there or, or different uh, or from their other games, stuff that I didn't like. Um, it seems like stuff that, that can work, and I'm excited to play it, and I think uh, definitely has the potential to be quite fun. Yeah, I got the feeling that it was a positive article, too. This is just the kind of stuff so many people have been asking for. They've been wanting to see. Um, there's only so much, so many fluff articles that uh, you can read before you just kind of turn them off and you wait for something with substance. And even this article itself, I wouldn't say it's just chock full of substance. But because it was in the subject matter that everybody was kind of craving, I think a lot of people really enjoyed the article. Uh, for better or worse, they, they were able to get a lot more information about the game. Yeah, at least there's some substance and substantive news. I mean, I think Kerry mentioned in our group chat that he wasn't like necessarily thrilled, so we don't have his uh, perspective today. But at least where I'm coming from, between the different editions of Warhammer Fantasy Battles, sometimes you had major, major changes. So like 5th edition to 6th edition, uh, you couldn't use any of the old army books. Uh, the game was changed in a lot of ways uh kind of fundamentally how magic worked uh just how armies were composed the amount of models that were used uh just various various rules and between sixth and eighth uh the game didn't change as drastically but you still saw quite a few changes um especially between seventh and eighth with like random charges 
and the proliferation of attacks and stuff and steadfast and all that stuff. So the, the game did in the past, it wasn't always just like one thing. It, it really did change a lot. And it always kept basically its core of movement phase, magic phase, shooting phase, uh, combat phase. But how did things interact between those phases and how did things uh, play? But uh, here we're getting a, a totally new game, but you still have the same feel of you've got your three major phases really with magic kind of broken up in between them. And so you still really have the feel of the classic Warhammer fantasy battle game. Um, yet the magic is going to, it's going to feel different. It's going to feel new and people are going to, you know, hate it maybe, but generally people react that way to the beginning of a new edition. And this is an entirely new game and, you'll get used to it after a yeah. few months and it'll just become second nature, yeah, I, you know, w within six months. I think for those who've never been through an edition change, it's important to let them know, like every single edition change, there were people, there was definitely a, the sky is falling atmosphere for some people, right? Like as rumors would come out, there'd be people that would, you know, say that it was the end of, of Warhammer because all these changes are going to ruin it. And, you know, sixth was good and seventh was good and eighth was good right like so it's funny because it, at those changeovers people said that everything was going to end or thing you know things were bad or whatever but um when you hear those things we just have to remember like we don't know everything that's going to be there um and you know everyone's fine to have their own attitude positive negativity different different people approach it differently um but that's, you know, th those, you know, those things are not abnormal that people will approach it that way that, you know, some are a little more nervous about it and some are not. And some really think it's going to be really bad and that's fine for them to think too. Um, but, but we don't know yet. And from what we've seen, at least the, the four of us, um, I think that there's stuff that we say, Hey, this, this seems good. There, there's a lot of good stuff here that they can work with and that, um, seems like it, it has the possibility of a fun game. Um, one last bit of speculation that I wanted to say is that at the very end of the article, they say, and we'll also be taking a closer look at the factions. So they're talking about the next couple months. They're going to be taking a closer look at the factions, the settings, the models, and the future of the game. So it seems like some of the articles over the next couple of months may tell us uh, exact, maybe not like exactly, but a kind of roadmap, uh, you know, because we know they love maps, a roadmap of the, uh, when we're going to be receiving each of these, you know, narrative, you know, Tomb Kings versus Bretonians and Orcs versus Empire, if that's what it is type of thing. So, um, yeah, but there is a future for the game, at least. Yeah, I mean, it really seems like uh, things are starting to build on themselves right now, and there's a lot of momentum. And you know, over the course of the next uh, four or five months, uh, this thing should really come to a head. Something a lot of us have been waiting on since uh, November of 2019, or even when the game died back in the summer of 2015. Uh, now is kind of the time, really. I mean, it's finally here, and we're going to be getting these articles that are detailing uh, the game in in important and substantive ways, and the game's going to be released here in February, maybe, or March of uh, the next year. So here it is. All right, go paint 
go paint some orcs for Orktober. All right, well, that's all we have for today. We hope that next month you'll gather around the hearthstone with us again. <laughs>